0: It's the Euros Digest, it on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. England, Germany, Wembley, Southgate. The storylines are written, demons to be exercised. Coming up today, we'll be giving our thoughts on the knockout stage as well as reviewing the final day's action in both Group E and F. Here to get into that, we have mirror sports writer Neil McClellan and Newcastle United writer at The Chronicle, Sean McCormick. Neil, I'll come to you first. We've got to start with... England drawing Germany for the last sixteen and all the memories that it evokes—not just Euro '96, but so many down the years.
1: I know it's going to—it's going to be great on Tuesday. Uh, it's difficult to look at. What, how how should you look at it as an England fan? Should you look at all the history and the baggage that comes from it, or just play this current German team? Because let's face it, they're not a great German team. They are—you know—they were awful against France. They struggled to draw at home against Hungary last night. So I think that's the way you should be looking at rather than the fact that, oh, it's the Germans again, it's another big match. In, and let's face it, England have got a terrible record in the knockout stages of big competitions, especially against the the big teams, if you like. So if you think you're playing against Mats Hummels and uh, you sort of have a leaky defence rather than the, the German great teams of the past, then that's the way to look at it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Sure. my worry is there's five days to go until we get to it. I'm a nervous wreck already.
2: Oh, yeah, I am the same. I'm the same. I'm really excited now. It's Germany, you know, all the history that goes with it, and I think it's going to be a massive occasion at Wembley. Big, bigger crowd, of course, for this game as well. So I think that's going to be really giving them a big boost. As Neil says, it's a, it's a Germany team who who are littered with quality still. Are some good players, but it isn't the greatest Germany team we have ever come across. They're coming off the back of a, of a poor World Cup campaign. They've had some poor results over the last three years or so. And you know, they've just scraped past the hungry team who really on the night could have actually nicked that game and won it as well. So it's not a Germany team that you would kind of look at with with great fear, but it's still a Germany team that you've got to look at and you've know, got to be wary of that they've still got some great talents and they can't turn it on as they showed against Portugal as well. it will be interesting to see how England approach that game, I think, as well, because the, barring that Portugal game, they struggle against the bigger teams, but they've also struggled against teams who kind of sit in and they struggle to break them down. Like Hungary last night, you look at the North Macedonia result in the qualifying campaign as well. They struggle against teams who, who who are difficult to break down and England have proved to be difficult to break down in the group stage, obviously, with not conceding any goals yet. So, it'll be interesting to see how Southgate sets up because you'd like to see England go a bit more gung-ho, but it might, it might pay in that game to be a bit more conservative as well.
0: Yeah, and I suppose taking kind of that point and going with it, that... It's fascinating, sort of the, the the dynamism, I suppose, and energy as well. Neil, that these two sides contrast off against each other. Think of that that midfield of Kroos and Gundogan, two fantastic technicians and brilliant players. But Rice and and Phillips may not be always the most technical, technically gifted players, but they showed against Croatia in that opening game just how much they can get on top of a midfield and smother it. And that might might well prove crucial in this game.
1: I think it's interesting what Sean says. Is how, how should England approach it? Because Germany's strength certainly, so from the attacking strength, of the wing bats Kimmich and Gosens, who are absolutely brilliant against Portugal. And Hungary did a job on them yesterday. And so it's like, what? How do England doing? Are England tempted to go three four three to match up with them? You know, it'd be a big change after all this time. And so how, in fact, how England play the full. Which fullbacks they play. We'll talk about maybe come on to England's striking formations, how they're going to go up for it as well. So, I mean, what's going to happen is T- Timo is going to stick one in the corner from 25 yards out in the last corner. And you can just even in the last minute. You can, just, you can just see it happening. Because you say that Germany have still got the Havertz, they've got Cruz, they've got Gundler. They've got so many good players in Ganabri there. They've got so, they've got so many. Good players, still. It's just this German team hasn't gelled. It's the, you know, they're pretty terrible the last World Cup and qualification. So, if ever a German team's there to be beaten, but they still got to be done.
0: Yeah, I said a, a couple of days ago, I think it was actually heading into their, their game with Portugal. There's nothing to fear with this Germany side. Maybe that was kind of a bit too harsh, but that is the way, isn't it, Sean? England need to go into this. You think sin, even since the last World Cup, the Nations League campaign, when they saw off both Croatia and Spain, that there have been games here and there where England really have shown up when they've needed to. But now, now the pressure really is on. And it's it's time sort of, I suppose, for this group of players to show what they're made of.
2: Yeah, and you'd probably add the Belgium winning the last Nations League campaign as well at Wembley. They've got history now of beating big teams. Maybe not the pressure situation of the last 16 game of the Euros, but obviously with the World Cup run being as kind as it was, the accusation was this England team can't beat a big nation like that. They've proven in the last couple of, couple of years that they can. <clears throat> obviously, now it's on the biggest stage. They need to do it. But uh, I, I, there, there probably isn't the, the fear factor with Germany that has been in, in, in previous years. But as you say, you've changed your mind so many times in that group game. You watch them against France and you thought, yeah, we'll take this Germany team. Then you see them pick apart Portugal and you go, I'd rather not play them. Then they play Hungary and it's 2-2 and last night you think, well, I'd rather play them than Portugal on on, on the evidence of last night. So, either way, I think you always expected England to get a big nation in this last 16 game. It was very, very very unlikely, as much as it it, it seemed possible last night that Hungary were going to finish in second place. I think England would have always been prepared for that eventuality. I think South Southgate's gonna he's been very meticulous in his planning so far. I think, you know, there's, there's been different teams for different games. I think he would have prepared already in his mind kind of how he's gonna set up against Germany, whether that is it with a formation change or whether he sticks with, with how it's gone. I don't know what remains to be seen. But I think I think you know, England will be very prepared for this game. I think it's a game England can win. Obviously, the, the history the history suggests that that, that, German, that Germany come up big when it, when it matters in these last sixteen games. But this is a different England team, and it's a different Germany team, and I'm, I'm confident that they can come with the win.
0: Yeah, I don't want to get too carried away and map England's route to the final, but. The, the way the draw has unfolded, Neil, has been very kind to England in the end after all the talk of maybe it'd be better to finish as runners-up in the group. It's certainly not proved to be the case, but it is Germany first up, the big barrier in the way. And I suppose it is it is the most prized feather in the cap for any England fan on en route to any potential, maybe semi-final or even final, to try and get past the Germans. You can see a route there, if they can win this last 16 game, to them going very deep in the tournament.
1: Absolutely. But I'll also say that in that group F last night, we everyone watching it, all the different scenarios. So I was even better if Hungary to finish second. But after that, I would take, I would as England rather see England play Germany than that French team and or Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal. So I think, you know, certainly as of the historical reasons to fear Germany or to have reservations. But yes, out of that, out of that group, you would take Germany. Then after, that, I mean, then on the other side, as you say, everyone's talking. There's a, Conspiracy theories England should try and finish second. On that other side of the group, the other side of the draw, there's Spain, France, then there's Belgium, Portugal playing, and then Italy. So all those teams are on the other side. So there like, I mean looking ahead, so if, if England comes through to play the winners of Sweden and Ukraine, so you take that in a in a euro quarter final, and then uh, then after that getting ahead a little bit. So it ha I mean if the way things have stayed until now, England winning every game. Not conceding a goal and get, getting Germany in the quarter in the first knockout phase—it's going pretty well so far.
0: Just sort of in in terms of England Germany as as well then, Sean. As journalists, we love narratives. It's what we're, our careers are kind of based around. And Gareth Southgate being the man leading this England side, and everything from Euro '96. But for younger fans as well, immediately. This morning, I woke up and thought about the 2010 World Cup and the last 16 in Bloemfontein, the, the Lampard goal that wasn't given. There are so many scores to settle with this one. They are, but I
2: think if you if you if you look at the the different situations about South Africa World Cup, after England went into that game after a really really poor group stage, you know they needed to win that last game against Slovenia. They did so, but really unconvincingly against a Germany team who obviously had a brilliant tournament, who had, were full of young talents at like the time, it was when Thomas Muller and Erzil were first breaking through, and they were <clears throat> absolutely brilliant for Germany in that tournament, and nobody really expected England to get anything from out of that game. Obviously, they had the, the Lampard goal School, and it could have been a lot different, but on the actual <clears throat> basis of the game, England were completely dominated and outplayed, whereas this time, England have got through the group fairly comfortably as group winners, Germany have laboured through the, the 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 struggle against Hungary in that last game. If anything, the narrative this time is that it's, it's Germany who are going into the last 16 in 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 different form, and it's England who are full of confidence, who, who had a brilliant three years going into this tournament. <clears throat> so in that sense, I think England, uh, you know, it's it, it's a it's a completely different situation, and also with, with the history of Southgate, obviously a lot to be made of it in the build up the Miss Penalty in Euro 96. but. Against Scotland, I felt like he was the only play, kind of figure in, the, in that game who took the emotion out of the situation. Obviously, you, you, you can criticise his team selection and his substitutions a lot, but I feel like you know the emotion that went around that game with it being such a, a, a derby game, I think the players were frantic in that game, trying, trying to create things. I feel like Southgate was, took the emotion out of the situation well. Hopefully, that kind of translates to the players in the last 16 as well, because there's obviously going to be a lot of emotion, a lot of narratives that are going to be created beforehand. I feel like that could be a big strength for England if you can get the team selection right, the players came of on board with a similar mentality. I think that could really work in England's favour.
0: Yeah, Neil, the point you were making before about sort of the, the sides of the draw that um obviously England have now avoided. I suppose in many ways, and just final point on this game that it is kind of the ideal opposition for England to maybe kickstart their way into some goal scoring form in this tournament because they've got through the group stage, obviously kept three clean sheets defensively, been very assured, but offensively they've only obviously scored those two goals and now up against Germany, they're going to have to come with their sort of best game plan, as it were, and then hopefully that can sort of kickstart the momentum for the knockout stage.
1: Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see which Team Southgate comes out. I thought the first 45 minutes... Against the Czech Republic, were the best England played in the tournament so far. I mean, I would pick Grealish, and I was just reading that. Just reading John Cross in the Mirror today. And it, seems, it seems like a briefing coming out of the camp, but he's picked up that Grealish won't be won't be starting against Germany. And the so I, I would pay Grealish behind Kane, and then you've got to pick Sterling if he's the goal. And then you, I mean, Saka's performance was w- was excellent. So, but that means playing not playing Foden and not playing on mounts that big. Ex, the big question mark against him as well with the. Uh, with the self-isolation. So, yeah, I think that it's a bit of a momentum going, And I, I would pick Jordan Henderson just because I think England are better when he's on the team, right? on the field. He's He's got that experience and he, the tempo of the game, but that leaves a big decision of what you're going to do with between Rice or and or Phillips. So there, and also, I'd like to see Trippier back in the team as well. I think he was so good the first mate. So there are decisions to be made um, after, that, after that check game.
0: Yeah, I'll let you have the final say, Sean. Is another decision back four or back five?
2: I, I would I would stick with a back four, but I, could, I can also see the, the argument of mirroring Germany's formation as well in, in, in dealing with the wing-backs, because as Neil mentioned before, is the wing-backs that are going to cause the, the biggest threat on the day. If Germany stick with their formation, of course, as well, they don't tinker. Um But personally, I, I'd stick with what's worked. We haven't conceded a goal. We've looked very solid defensively we've got that attacking threat and uh, as Neil said, I, I, I don't see how you can drop Grealish after that last game. I thought he was brilliant. He's inviting fouls. He, he, he's England's most creative threat. He's obviously set up the goal for Sterling as well. I wouldn't tinker too much of that front three, barring me bringing Foden in back in for Saka, which would be a big horse on Saka because he played really well. But to, to me, you've got to have your two most creative talents on the pitch, and that's going to be Grealish and Foden, if, if obviously Mason Mount isn't included in the squad as well. But, um, but I, as, I think Neil makes an interesting point. I think in these big games, in these big occasions, you need players who have been there and done it. And, and Jordan Henderson's obviously you know, done, done that at club level and international level. I think it would be a big call to, to drop one of Rachel Phillips. But I think if Henderson is fit enough, which he looked fit enough in that second half, he played well when he came on against Czech Republic, I would start him as well, 100%. And it's a big decision, but I'd probably bring out Calvin Phillips for him as well.
0: Yeah, the build-up's only gonna get ramped up more and more from here on in until Tuesday. We'll have plenty more talk of it across the Euro Digest podcast. Let's now, Neil, look at the final day of group action and let's just start with Group F and pick through it anyway. But what a what a sort of two hours of football, what a night of football, even with Group E, with, with that finishing off. And this idea that sort of the the four best third place teams getting through dilutes the competition. It just leaves more and more drama, doesn't it, for the final day of the group's?
1: I mean, it was great stuff last night, wasn't it? And the way the 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 the, the table kept moving, and who were England going to be playing next? I think that's a good point about the third place teams. And some people are saying it, it it makes the tournament less interesting. I think it's the opposite. I mean, Champions League often the last round of fixtures there are nothing to play for and it's dead and you want as many teams with an interest in it as possible so if you get one win in it so t- potentially you could lose your first two games and still get through it's so so that that was that was great fun and like the, the matches last night had everything near the Germans nearly going out we had that penalty controversy with the, in that Portugal France game some really dodgy decisions going on there it was just great entertainment
0: yeah, it really was. Sean, in terms of that that France-Portugal game, it was just breathtaking quality on show. And to think Portugal ended up finishing third, it worked for them last time in the Euros as well. But I just want to talk about Paul Pogba for a moment, because maybe part of the tournament for that one that Mbappe couldn't quite finish off, may well have been offside, and then he sort of repeats the trick just after halftime for Karim Benzema.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's an argument so far that Paul Pogba has probably been the player of the tournament. I think he's been absolutely excellent for France. I think having him, Golo Kanté beside him as well, it makes a real difference. I I saw a stat yesterday that they've started 30 games together for France and they haven't lost yet, which <laughs> is ominous for everybody else. Um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like Pogba has been been brilliant. I think he's a different player for France than he is for Manchester United. He seems liberated. He seems like he enjoys the responsibility of playing playing for France and. Taking the team on himself, and if you look at the last two tournaments where they've obviously got the finals. Pod has being a major player, um, for France it, 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 in both of those competitions. So I, I've enjoyed watching him. Uh, he's he's been brilliant. He's been his creative best, and that game last night was was it, it could have been it could have been the final. It could well still. It, 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 well, sorry, it can't be the final. They're in the same half of the draw, but it was two teams who you feel, even though Portugal finished third in the group, have got a real chance of going all the way in this tournament. And if you're Belgium. And you, you think you've got a you've got a nice easy there last sixteen game against a third place team. Now you've got that Portugal team with Ronaldo who scored five goals. I think you're worrying a bit in the back of your mind, aren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely with, with that. In terms of Pogba yourself, Neil, just sort of watching him, I suppose, maybe even within so, kind of the, the way Portugal set up, there was a, sort of inkling a hint there for Ole Gunnar to pick up on of maybe how to get the best out of Pogba, and that's not by playing at, at number 10. Bruno Fernandes was benched for, for Portugal, and it really opens up that midfield. He, he sits, He seems to sit a lot deeper for France, Pogba, but he still had that shot from the edge of the box, and as I say, just pulls the strings from so deep in midfield that no one can really sit on him.
1: That's that's true. I mean, it was very deep, and it, but he, he's also got a little bit of license to go forward, as you say, If you've got Cante alongside you, who will pick up? And France have got so many attacking options at France. So Griezmann was playing, sort of off, off almost as a ten last night as well. So yeah, there, there's so much going on there. I think what the significant thing for France as well last night was Karim Benzema scored for the first time since getting recalled. So there was a, he had missed he missed chances against Hungary, and he found that he scored twice. So that was one of the he certainly justified his position. So. They are looking without playing superbly, France, because they, they, it was, it was a pretty even in the first half of Portugal, the better team. They're sort of right through to the knockout stage with everyone intact and looking good. And you know, Pogba has, has looked really, really good.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose then bringing it round to the, the Germany-Hungary game, Sean, that there is that argument knocking about and certainly ahead of playing Germany that these are sort of three sides progressing from that group who have already been playing sort of at knockout level, as it were, with the, the calibre of opposition they have faced. But Germany, probably the, the creakiest of them, albeit they, they put in a stellar showing against uh, against Portugal. Absolutely,
2: the, the Portugal game aside, the disappointing against France—they've conceded four goals and <clears throat> four goals in the group. So, you know, there's, there's definitely weaknesses England can exploit in that in that last 16 game. Similarly, though, obviously with with the backs against the wall last night, you getting into the last 10 minutes, everyone's getting excited, thinking, "Oh, Germany would come out." They come up big with that Goretzka goal as well. So, there's there's two there's two sides to it. Of course, the argument that the, that the three teams have played each other already at a kind of knockout level. I think can help. I think worryingly, you look at France, and, and Neil mentioned it there. It doesn't seem like they've broken out of second gear really, and they've come on top of that group. And you know, granted they've only won one of the three games, but I, I think if you look at the last two tournaments, and they've got the final as well, they've never kind of had that standout performance where you stood up and go, oh, "Yeah, France are definitely going to win it." But they're so solid in every department, and they get the job done. and I, I, I just feel that even though they're in the difficult half of the draw, I still think they're, they're going to be the team to beat. I think anybody who beats France are going to have a major chance of winning this tournament. And the, the Benzema point, I think there was a lot of people actually calling for Olivier Giroud because he, obviously Benzema's come back into the team after after six years, his struggle to score goals. You, you know, you've got Giroud there who, who's proven with this, with this French team. I think that was big last night. He, he came up with the two goals, and I think he could be a major player in the knockout stages for France as well.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see how it does unfold. Let's talk about Group E then. And Spain finally finding their shooting boots, Neil. But sort of without Alvaro Morata, he missed a penalty. I think fifth now in a row for Spain that they've missed at international level. Alvaro Morata can't seem to get a break right now. But Spain in the end, I don't know what, whether they were brilliant in front of goal or Slovakia had shot themselves in the foot.
1: Yeah, Slovakia were poor. But, I mean, Avaro Morata, I mean, he must be the worst strike who's ever played for Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Juventus and Chelsea. So, I mean, uh, just the difference of him walk, walking up to that penalty last night and then from Ronaldo later on. You know Ronaldo's going to score. You know he's going to put it away. And Morata just doesn't, doesn't look like it. So, I mean, Spain, it was, Slovakia were poor last night. And, and the, so I'm sure we'll talk about the goalkeeper as well. But they they it was a big win for Spain in the sense that, it seemed to be looked more so they've had such a, a weird build up with COVID and leaving out Sergio Ramos, only picking 24 players. But Busquets was back in last night, Quetta, They look like more like the team that could do something. So they've got Croatia next round. If they can score, if um, um, we've got Moreno and Alvaro Morata up front, they're not, not the greatest goal scorers, but they're good players. So I think that's going to be a really, really good match, that first knockout match between Croatia and Spain.
0: Yeah, and Ferran Torres as well, sort of through the middle as well. Sean, you won't need reminding what he did at Saint James's Park earlier in the season, but he's shown he can go through the middle. I just wonder if we've kind of seen the last of Alvaro Morata in a starting eleven for Spain now.
2: Maybe, but I think I think if you look at the all the pre-match build ups there's a lot of pressure on Luis Enrique to to drop Marat and he's he's stuck faithful him so far. So I'm I'm just unsure that he he'll, he'll, he'll change it at this stage. If if I'm honest, he's he's given him given him the vote of confidence. I thought that if you watched that Spain team last night, and yes, the back were really poor, but I think the, the big difference was Sergi Busquets coming back to the team. I think he allows the rest of the players to to be a bit more free, <clears throat> be a bit more creative, and I think. If you looked at the way their midfield was, particularly going forward, I think Busquets made such a difference last night and that could be a key for them going forward. I I don't think they've got enough to go all the way and win the tournament, but if if Busquets remains fit and he can bring the best out of Spain's attacking talents, I think no one is really talking about them as potential winners, but they've still got the ability to go quite deep in this tournament.
0: Yeah, I think Spain, the winner of Spain, Croatia will play sort of winner of France, Switzerland, Neil. But I just wonder, after sort of a, a five goal showing from them now, is it a case of one swallow doesn't make a summer, or are we sort of thinking actually, in hindsight, they were unfortunate in those first two games to not be able to get the goals and, and the uh, wins that they needed, or or are we sort of happy to, I suppose, rule Spain out?
1: I mean, I, I, I think Sean's right. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think they can beat Croatia. And then France in the quarterfinals, I can't, I can't see that. I mean, going back, I think, the, I think the winners of the tournament is going to come from the semi-final between France and Italy. But Spain, they've got so many good players as well. So I mean, it's almost been that, that Sweden game in that first match, the first match of the tournament for them. They were just, you know, the, the amount of passes they had and the chances they had, they just couldn't, couldn't score. So yeah, it's not a it's not a terrible Spain team, but it's not a great Spain team anyway. So I think quarterfinals would be pretty. I think that would be their benchmark. I think that's where they'll get.
0: Yeah, Sean, we can't delay it any further. We're going to have to talk about Martin <laughs> Dubravka now. Um, it wasn't teed up to get you on just because you you cover him with Newcastle United. You were already down for for this one, and after he saved that penalty, you must have been thinking, "Oh, brilliant! I get to big him up." I remember being at St James's for his debut against Manchester United. He was absolutely brilliant that day, but. You can't get away from it. He had a shock yesterday.
2: He did. and It went, went from the sublime to the ridiculous. So the first half an hour where he saved the penalty, he's been commanding the crosses, he was good good with the ball at his feet. It's everything that he's been brilliant for with Newcastle over the last three and a half years. And then it's indefensible, the goal. I always worry for goalkeepers when the ball kind of, obviously the way it hit the bar, it went up straight and feet and comes back down. You've got so much time to think about it. And I think that's what's, Got him in the end. He's missed time the jump. He's ended up going with the wrong hand, and yeah, it's calamitous. And I, I'm gutted for him if I'm honest because it's, it's going to be one of those moments that's shown for years and years and years. Every time there's a Euros that comes about, it's going to be it's going to be shown. It's going to be all over social. It already is all over social media. And for the second goal as well, I think he has to come. He has to come. It's in his six yard box. He has to come. But he's got to be more decisive. And I think if he's a bit more clear minded. And that first goal hasn't happened. the second goal probably doesn't happen either. And at half time, the camera panned, and when he looked like he, he looked like a man of the weight, weight of the world on his shoulders, and I'm just really disappointed for him because any Newcastle fan will tell you, for the last three and a half years, he's been at the club. He's been Newcastle's most consistent player. He's been really, really good. He's there's been the odd mistake in there, but I feel when you're a goalkeeper at Newcastle and you take the volume of shots that Newcastle concede to opposition teams, it, it, it's statistically it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it, it was just it was just really really tough to to, to watch because Newcastle fans have always bigged up Martin Dubravka and felt like it's kind of like a, a bit of an untold secret how good he actually is, and for that to happen on the major stage, it's I suppose it's a blessing as well because any any clubs that are watching him last night will, will probably be put off coming anywhere near him in the transfer market. Um, and what and you mentioned the Manchester United game there, obviously he came in as a as a relative unknown. He's from Sparta Prague. Nobody really knew much about him. But Rafa Benitez was really really keen to bring him in to throw him into that debut game with kind of you know throwing at the Lions then Man United at home at the time Newcastle in the relegation zone. So it was a big big game, and he and he was brilliant. It didn't phase him at all. And I feel like that kind of typifies his character. He's got a really strong mentality. And although last night was was a really really bad night for him. I think he'll back him to to, to put it behind him and, and and come again next season for Newcastle because he is really strong mentally. It's what a lot of his teammates have said about him. He's, a, he's, a, he's, re, he's really strong in that regard. So you'd like to think he puts it behind him and has a good season again for Newcastle, but for it to happen in such a big game because of that, yeah, on such a global stage, you know, it was really tough to watch him after last night.
0: Yeah, I suppose Neil that David Marshall's probably blowing a sigh of relief sort of t- <laughs> today because he's been the the memes and everything from that goal Patrick Schick scored. But as Sean said, I think that's going to be the clip now of goalkeeping horror shows that goes around.
1: It really was cover your eye stuff as well. And that until and it and it actually made such a difference to the game as well because until then it hadn't been a great game. But it Slovakia it was working for Slovakia. Spain were getting frustrated with the penalty miss, and so when that happened, then you could see. You know the the air go out. they ended up five 0 So it was not only just terrible for him; it was just it was a turning point in the match. I think Spain would have won anyway, but it really did. uh You know, put them on on the way to a five nil thrashing in the end.
0: Yeah. Finally, quickly before we go, guys, I'll ask you just for your, your highlight of the group stage of the tournament that you've seen so far. Sean, I'll come to you. What's what stood out for you?
2: Uh, to me, <clears throat> what's the other night? It, it, it would have to be Denmark's revival. Obviously, with everything that happened with Christian Eriksen and. You know, thank thank goodness it looks like he's on the on the road to recovery, and that's that, that's brilliant news. But the way they rallied in that, it, it, the Belgium game as well. Obviously, they end up losing that game, ran out of steam in the end. But just the atmosphere and and everything that went around it, the emotion of the game when they beat Russia, Christensen's goals, the noise in the Copenhagen Stadium was unbelievable. So to me, I think that's been my highlight so far in Wales in the last sixteen. They've got a chance to get in the quarterfinals and there's there's real momentum building behind Denmark as well. So that they could be a bit of a dark horse in the tournament.
0: Yeah, Neil, you were bigging up the Italians on the opening day before we saw any action, and you've been proven right. Have, have they been sort of the standout for you, the
1: highlights so far? I think they're the best team. I think with their performances and the momentum, and they managed to put their B team out and still managed to beat Wales. So I think the I think they're looking very good. I think the best the best mat the match I've enjoyed most is Portugal Germany. I thought that was just crazy inevitably, as a Scotland fan, the two best goals I think I've seen have been the shit goal from the halfway line and Luka Modric's Croatia against Scotland as well. So those are the two I'll, I'll, I'll remember from the group stages.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Right. Well, yeah, seems seems fitting. A cheery note at the end for the Scots. But yeah, that that is the end of the road for them. And as you say, two fantastic goals against them. And uh, yeah. England still scratching our heads as to how they couldn't really even muster so much as many efforts on target but anyway that's it from us for this edition of the Euro Digest. do remember to check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your audio on demand hit subscribe and every episode will come directly to you but from myself Guy Clark, Sean McCormick and Neil McClellan thanks for your time and your company it's bye for now